So we're continuing our series, continuing our, our series, a crowd favorite, right? Giving. Am I, am I on? Yes? Okay, good. All right. I just, you know, I didn't say myself as loud as normal. That's cool. That's fine. No, this, hey, here I come. Uh, so anyway, so we're continu- continu- <sighs> Welcome to Lindsay Lane North. My name's Alan. We'll just start all over. Uh, I'm, we're continuing our series in Seed Division. I'm really excited about what God's doing. I'm just going to be honest with you. What God's teaching me uh, as your pastor uh, in this area. Uh, giving is something that is very simple. Man, it's like, our, it's like salvation, man. It's, it's a simple truth. But man, we will spend the rest of our life exploring the depth of it. And so uh, I'm really excited about what God is, is teaching us in this series. We're in our fifth week. We talked about the gift of giving. Uh, the, that was our first message, talked about the gift of giving and how we get an opportunity. God doesn't need us, but we get an opportunity to give, whether it's our tithe, whether it's an offering, or whether it is a, an extravagant offering. We get an opportunity to be a part of what the kingdom of God is doing and God desires to use us in that, right? And so that, it's a gift for us. It's better to give than receive. Uh, and so it's a gift for us. We talked about the why of giving. That literally it is our worship to God. Uh, giving is an act of worship. And if your worship does not include giving, you are missing an aspect of worship. Now, it's not all of our worship. It's not all of it. But it is absolutely an aspect of worship. We talked about the who of giving, right? That when we give, we don't do it in a vacuum. It doesn't happen with nobody looking. In fact, it has a profound impact on the kingdom of God, on people that are saved, on brothers and sisters in Christ, and it has a profound impact on the lost. It's a testimony. The way that we give, the way that we sacrificially give is a testimony of the change that Christ has brought about in us. We talked about the what of giving. That literally, if we are, what what are we going to be invested in? Right? And we, we talked about that with the servants last week. Right? The parable of the, of the talents. What are we investing in? And the, the, the whole thought behind it was we are to reinvest what God has entrusted to us, not that what God has given us, but what God has entrusted to us. Why? Because he's, why is that important? Because we're giving an account of it one day. What God is entrusting us, we are reinvesting it into things that matter to the Master. If God owns it all, we should reinvest in things that matter to him. And then today, we're going to talk about the how of giving. The how of giving. And so if you're taking notes there on the back side of that bulletin, uh, there's a note section there. We'd love for you to utilize that to take notes on. Um, but we are talking about the how of giving today. And what we're going to discuss, I'm going to go ahead and ruin it. The whole message, I'm going to ruin it for you right here. You ready? The how of giving When we understand how to give, we understand that what we are doing is simply an overflow from the master, right? So the what of giving is an investment for the master. The how of giving is an overflow from the master. Do you know people that have a hard time giving? Do you know what kind of people those people are? Those that have not been filled with the presence of God to overflowing. 
People that have a hard time giving are those that have never understood and never experienced what it's like to overflow with the goodness and the grace and the peace of God. As we just sang. Right? As we just sang, I find my peace, I find my strength, I find my hope in Christ alone. Those that have a hard time giving are giving out of things that they're pulling from within themselves. When God's design for us is to overflow to others. The how of our giving is, is how, do we, how do we give? We give through the overflow of what Christ has done with us. And, I, and I'll, I'll tell, say this as a segue, strategically. Money is one area of giving. There are many, many areas of giving. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, some people, the most valuable thing to them is their time, right? They have time. Time is very, very valuable to them. But I'll say this. For me, it is the area of giving. I'll give you my time all day long, right? But I'm a penny pincher, and I don't like people getting my money, right? I, I want to I cut corners. I have... I have fast food apps on my phone, right? Mostly because I'm overweight, right? But also because you get deals on them things. If you don't have a Chick-fil-A app on your phone, you are missing out. You got a free breakfast sandwich coming to you today. Well, not today. Closed on Sunday. Tomorrow, free breakfast sandwich coming to you tomorrow just because Matthew Kyle, the owner of Chick-fil-A, is awesome. Right? He just gives it to you if you have the app. And so I, I have these apps right, to give because I, I, I don't want to spend my money. I'll go, and I'm the one weirdo that goes, and they think that I'm, people are going to go, and they're going to buy other stuff with that breakfast sandwich. No. I'm going for the breakfast sandwich. Don't give me one. I don't want to pay for a single sesame seed. Right? I want just what's free. And I'll do it, and I'll do my best to make a meal out of that one thing. Right? And so, and so that, that is, that's it for me. So giving is that area for me. It may be your time. It may be your resources. Right? It may be other things in your life. Right? But, but this is just one area. Man, a great way for you to invest in this church is in, is in the area of, of, of service, right? We've got ministry teams, and we hadn't talked about this a lot, but we've got ministry teams that need you. We got, we got people that are serving every single Sunday, man, that we need you so that they can participate in worship. They can come and be a part of the service sometimes, amen, plant team? Sometimes they can be a part of service. We need you there. There's a way to do that on your, on your Connect card. There's a way that you can... Uh, Mark, that you're interested in being a part of a, of a team that we have here that makes Lindsay Lane incredible. Makes Lindsay Lane North a, a, a thriving place. It doesn't happen on accident. So whatever it is that God would call you to invest in, but here's what I'm not going to tell you to do. Invest there and don't invest financially. You need both. You need both. You need to invest body, mind, and soul in what God is doing. And listen, if you don't feel comfortable doing that here, Find a place where you can. This is God's design for you, right? And it's not because God just wants your money or we just have to have your money. It's because you will experience blessings when you give, when you get your life right in that area of your life. You'll experience the supernatural blessing of God. If you've got your Bibles in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Sorry, I got on a soapbox there for just a minute. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to look first at the attitude 
of giving. The attitude of our giving. And we've heard this passage, and I've heard this passage preached so many times. Uh, but man, God has given me some fresh stuff that I'm so excited. Can I just tell you, it's fun to be a pastor. I mean, it's fun to get into God's Word and to study it for long enough that it's not new truth. By the way, anybody that tells you they found a new truth in Scripture, be very weary of that person. Be very, very leery of them. Not weary, leery. Josh, don't quote me on that on Facebook. Be very leery of that person. There's no such thing as new truth in God's Word. Now, there's truth that's new to us, but God's Word is living and active, right? And as God has showed me this, man, I'm excited to share it with you. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 6, let's get to this. Let's look at the attitude of giving. This is what Paul says to the church at Corinth. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. So the first thing he gives us in this attitude of giving, the first thing he gives us is an illustration, right? He gives an illustration of a farmer, right? I figured that that will relate to us today. It certainly relates to me growing up in Lickskillet, Alabama. Man, I went to a church, Bethlehem, where depending on how much rain fell determined how much tithe we got. Not because people were less obedient, but because 10% was just different from year to year, depending on how much rain we got that year. Right, And so he starts there in this attitude of giving with sowing, the principle of sowing and reaping. Right, If you sow a lot of seed, you're going to get an opportunity to reap a lot of crop. Now, we know this as farmers, as people that have grown up around farms, we know that not everything that is sown is reaped. Right, Not every seed that planted is gives forth good fruit. In fact, Jesus, in his parable, you remember the, the sower that sows seed, right? Sowed some, only a quarter of it actually yielded, yielded return. But what it yielded was more than enough to cover the seed. So not every area of our life where we sow into are we going to see a significant return from. But what we can promise is if we sow plentifully, with the effort and the amount that we sow, we will reap a harvest. And you just think about the things in my life. I think about the things in my life that I have sowed into. Man, how every single billing cycle I sow into a 401k, right? And why do I do that? I sow that seed that hopefully somebody who knows how to deal with money and invest in my portfolio at one day, whatever that is, at one point, at some point in the future, I will have more money, right? I, I invest in it, I sow into it, and, and listen, that's money that could be put to good use today, but it's put to better use tomorrow, right? That seed could be used today, but it's put to better use tomorrow, right? And so, and so I sow into a 401k, I sow into my kids every time I sit down with my kids. Now, my wife certainly does a better job of this, right? But when I sit down with my kids and help them with, with math or help them with homework, which, by the way, God bless you 
people that can do that. I am just not patient enough. Like, you don't understand, little four-year-old, how to, how to draw a G? It's a G, right? And I'm just, I have unrealistic expectations for my five-year-old. But my wife informed me of that, and it's probably true. But, uh, but as I sit down with them and I invest in them, right, I try to teach them. I do a Bible study with them at nights at times, and I pray with them. Why? Because I'm investing in my children, right? I got them involved in sports, right? I invested. I came to this gym and invested in sports. Why? Because I think it can teach them stuff. We invest in a ton of stuff. We sow into a bunch of stuff, and man, that takes work. That takes work, that takes effort, and that takes being intentional, right? My son ain't going to get signed up for baseball if daddy don't sign him up, right, James? Ain't going to happen, right? He used to be the commissioner of, of, the, of the, the program here, so that, that's the thing. Like, it, he ain't getting signed up if daddy don't sign him up and pay his money. It takes intentionality. Can I tell you it's the exact same thing spiritually? You will never grow spiritually on accident. It'll never happen. You have to intentionally sow that seed so that one day in the future, and listen, that's the thing, we want microwave, right? We want, God, I am giving you my tithes today. I want a microwave blessing, and I want you to immediately, because I've tithed once, I want you to make me a generous person. That doesn't happen. That ain't the way it works. But through time, as we sow, we reinvest in a lot of things, a lot of things, What are we doing to put the work in to invest spiritually? To invest in our children, to invest in our future, and even in our own lives. What are we doing? If you have thrown it in neutral, don't expect, spiritually, don't expect to reach a point in your life where all of a sudden now you are spiritually mature and doing the things that you're supposed to. It doesn't happen that way. He who sows reaps. Planning is hard work. How much work do you give in the area of giving? How much do you work? Or does it, is it every time the offering bucket passes, it kind of takes you off guard? Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, they do that every week, don't they? You know, let's, 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 we're not prepared, but let's, let's, let's do what we're prepared to give. We'll, we'll give this, we'll give that. You know, how much forethought do you give? Can you imagine a planner going out like on, on, on a day that it's time to harvest? Like, man, what do you want to plant this, this year, dear? You know, can you imagine that that being the case? No, it takes forethought. It takes planning. How much thought do we give in this area of our giving? Intimacy with God overflows into generosity for God. Intimacy with God overflows into generosity for God. What does he say in verse 7? Each one of us must give as he has decided in his heart. Can I tell you, when you came in today, it was already on your heart what you were going to give to the Lord in your worship, in your praise and worship. It was already on your heart what you were going to give financially. It was already in your heart what you're giving right now as you listen and as you interact with God's word. It was already in your heart. And you said, Alan, I didn't even think about it. And I said, and I'm saying that's the point. That's the point. So often we come in and church is an entertainment business when church is not entertainment. It's an engagement business. We need to be engaging you, engaging people in the work of the ministry and how we can give to the kingdom purpose 
right? But intimacy with God overflows into generosity for God. If we are intimate with him, if we are being filled up, we will overflow to others. Our heart will decide it. And with God, it's always the heart. Do you remember earlier in the message, remember the widow bringing her two little cents that added up to one penny, and she gave it, and Jesus said she gave more than any of these other people. Why? Because with God, it's not an amount, it's a heart. You can give the biggest amount, the most extravagant gift you could possibly give, but if it's not in your heart, it would have been better if you had not given it. And yet God can use the most insignificant, financially speaking, insignificant of gifts. If given in the right heart, he can bless it and multiply it 10, 20, 50, and 100 fold. That's the God that we serve. So you may be asking yourself, well, God, are you saying that, you saying that God can't bless a gift? God can't bless something that I give if I'm not planning for it? God can't bless it if, if I'm giving reluctantly? If I'm giving out of compulsion because I have to, are you telling me that God can't bless the gift? That's not at all what I'm saying. Look at the screen. God can bless a gift given with the wrong heart. He's God. right? He can, he can remanage your mismanagement. What he can't bless is the giver. If you give the wrong heart, God can bless the money. Man, I promise you, I can get up here on a Sunday morning and preach God's word not being where I need to be spiritually, and God will still prove faithful to his word. It will not return void. What he can't bless is me. And so for us, when we give, if we give in the wrong spirit, God can still use it because he's God. He's sovereign. But we miss the worship. We miss what it can do for us. My grandfather is a very, very generous man. Pap is his name. Pap Pap. Pap for short, because um, we're close like that. And my Pap is a lover of all foods. All, my wife already knows where I'm going with this. All foods. And any food that Steve Ostrisky puts in his mouth is the best thing he has ever had. We can be at the sketchiest Chinese buffet, eating goodness knows what, which I don't have a problem with as long as it's tasty, and he, he can eat it. It's the best thing he ever has, and what is immediately his response? Alan, you got to try this. And he's dolloping a big old thing of that on my plate. Why? He's a food sharer, and some people that freaks out, by the way, not me. Obviously, you don't have a problem with much food putting put on your plate when you're the size I am. And so, and so my grandfather, he's a food sharer. He loves it. Why? Because he's enjoyed something and he wants somebody else to enjoy it as well. When you get an opportunity to share something, you experience the blessing of it and then you get to experience it all over again. This is the blessing of giving. This is how we give. Out of the overflow and we get to see other people Enjoy what God has given to us, entrusted to us. Number two, let's look at the argument for giving. We've seen the attitude of giving, let's look at the argument. By the way, that word cheerful there is the word where we get the English word. It's hilaros is the name of the, is the word in Greek. It's where we get the word hilarious, right? That God want, loves a hilarious 
giver. God loves a joyful giver. Probably a better translation than, than hilarious, though, or how we would think of hilarious, is prompt or willing. Right? When God gives you an opportunity to give, how quickly are you, how reluctant are you to do it? How quick does it take to say, hey, here's a need. How quick does it take for you to do this? How much time? Right? Prompt. On time. God wants a hilarious giver. God wants a giver looking for opportunities to give. And as soon as they come, boom, that hand's open. And they're ready to share that food. They're ready to share that service. They're ready to share that that finance. They're, They're ready to share and watch you be blessed by it. Let's look at the argument for giving. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. Remember, giving is a way that we demonstrate God's grace to others, right? People see God's grace through our giving. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he is distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for, the, for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. Boy, that's good. Let me just read that part again. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. In verse 8, did you hear all of those alls? Did you hear all the, inter- the universal statements that were made there? Right? And God is able to make all grace abound to you, that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work, which is a compound word, and the word they use there is all, right? It's the same exact word, pas, in the Greek, right? It's the same exact word is used here over and over and over. And what does it say? And what, for the reason why. If God, God wants those to abound who will abound to others, God wants to bless us. This is as old as his covenant with Abraham, right? I will bless you and your seed so that through you all the nations of the world will be blessed. If God is blessing you, if you have received blessing from God, what is expected of you is to bless others, to overflow supernaturally, to overflow to others. I wrote this In my notes, I saw this quote, and I don't remember. I don't know who said it. This is not my quote, but this is a good one. The gap between poverty and wealth is enough. The gap between poverty and wealth is the word enough. Now, I want to think about that for just a second. Marketing's number one goal in this world, is to make you discontent with what you have. That's their number one objective. It's not enough for you to have a steak knife. you got to have the Jinsu Ninja Chuck Norris knife, right? (laughs) If they can make you discontent with what you have, they know that they've got you. The gap between poverty, 
I don't have enough. I'm looking at other people's life, and I don't, I don't have enough. I don't have enough to make ends meet. Um, I don't have enough to be happy. I don't have enough to, to satisfy what I desire in life. The gap between that and wealth is enough. At what point in your life are you going to r- realize that you have enough? That God has ensured and seen to it that we have enough. It's not a dollar amount. It's an attitude. It's our heart. Do we believe in our heart that we have enough? If we don't, we'll always feel like we're in poverty and someone owes us something. We'll always feel that way. But someone, there it's possible for someone to have a little but because they understand what they have in Christ, they understand that they have riches beyond measure. And to them, they are wealthy. In fact, Paul, spiritually, Paul speaking here, Paul lost a ton of money, of position, and of power pursuing Jesus. But you ask him, when was he wealthier? And he'll tell you. The life I once lived is not worth comparing to the weight I have in Christ. This is Philippians 2. All that we have, all that we need is in Jesus. The life I once lived, he referred to it as garbage, as human excrement. The life I once had, the wealth I once had, the prosperity I once had, it was garbage. I've never been poorer in my life than in that time. But now I understand, I understand what wealth is, and I have enough. I have enough. The gap between wealth and poverty is enough. The principle is this, God can do more with our resources than we can. God can do more with it than I can. Listen, he said the, the sower, the, the person, the, the, the place, the source that supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, the one that meets all of our basic fundamental needs will supply and multiply your seed for sowing. If you'll do it, he'll bless it. If you do it, he can provide more. And he'll give and he'll give and he'll give. If we will just be obedient. I need someone to help me. I need a volunteer for my illustration. I promise you're not going to do anything embarrassing, okay? That, is, somebody, will somebody help me? Somebody, oh, look at Miss Brenna. Here she goes. All right. All right, Miss Brenna. I need you to take this piece of paper right here. Now, this is just a normal piece of paper, copier paper. Uh, I borrowed it from the school. They're not going to get it back. Um, <laughs> they can have it back if they want it after this. Uh, there's a hole in that sheet of paper. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to pull any punches. This is exactly what I did. I took this penny, and I traced it, and I made that hole. I cut that hole out of that sheet of paper. And so, Ms. Brenna, here's what I want you to do. Uh, this, this is a penny I'm giving you. You can have it. All right? You, you're welcome. You're very welcome. There's a, what a generous giver. Thank you. It's about the heart. Um, Brenna, Ms. Brenna, what I want you to do is I want you just... Just out in front of where everybody can see it, I want you just to put that penny through that, that little hole right there. All right, and just pull, grab it with the other hand. Yep, there you go. Just put it through, do it one more time. All right, pretty simple, right? Just put it through the hole. 
out the other side. There's times in our life, right, when giving is, is easy. Let's just be honest. There's times when it makes sense and it's easy to give. But listen, God requires so much more for us. This is a quarter. I'm giving you this quarter. I'm giving you this quarter. I'll hold your penny, but you can have it back. You can have it back. It's yours. Now, here's what I want you to do, Miss Brent. I want you to, I want you to put that, that quarter through that hole. Now, don't, don't force it. Don't for, yeah, please don't force it. It's just paper. Uh, don't force it, all right? But I just want you to try. Is there any way that you can fit that, that, that through there? Just holding it like that. There's no way that you, can, that you can do it. You see, there's times in our life, there's times, there's times in our life where God asks us to do things that we just, we don't understand in our finite minds. Man, God requires things for us. And, and I've literally had this thought before, God, I ain't got it to give. I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. I don't have the resources to give to what you're wanting me to give to. There are times in this church plant I have felt, God, I don't have any more left. But if we will be faithful to give, you want to have that sheet of paper. Here's your penny back. I still got to use the quarter. I'll give it back. If we'll take what God has called us to give, what God has laid on our heart to give, if we'll put it in his hands, right? If we're going to put it in his hands, right? Give it to God. Give it over to God. I don't understand. I don't know what you're trying to do. But God, I trust you. It's all yours anyway. God, you've asked for it. I'm giving it to you. If we will trust God, what we're going to find is he will be enough. He will make a way. Here's the problem. (laughs) Here's the problem. We stay like this. We stay giving our pennies. We stay like this. We don't, we don't want to give it over to God, right? We don't see God multiply because we don't give it to him. But when we will just be obedient, God's going to make a way for us. This is the incredible principle of giving. And let me tell you, the more times you see God provide where you never thought it's possible, the more generous you'll become. You can have your twenty-six cents. It's yours. Oh no. Okay. All right. All right. Fine. Oh, all right. We'll 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 square it up later. All right. Let's look finally at the aftermath of giving. The aftermath of giving. Second Corinthians nine twelve. For the ministry of this service is not supplying the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ. Where does it come? Your confession of the gospel of Christ. Your your reluctance will be met by the truth of the gospel. You'll realize you've been given things you don't deserve and it will overflow into gratitude for others and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift there is nothing like giving that binds you to somebody man when people give my wife and I were in the NICU with our our son specifically our last child 
Maddie. She was in there for the shortest time, but we didn't know that at the time. We were going day by day. And our Sunday school class at the main campus bought us a, a gift bag, gift uh, basket, and all, and it was a whole bunch of just fast food cars. I mean, we were going back and forth, three-hour feedings. Is how, that's how often they feed. And we wanted to make every single one of them during the day. And so we would do that, and that's a quick turnaround. And, man, you talk about a long day. And we would do it. We would stay at my pap-ap's house uh, so that we could, we could return quicker to the hospital. And, and, and man, it was, just, it, was, it was every single second. And we would try to eat when you could, right? We were breaking the bank. And our... Sunday school class did something very simple. They took up a love offering and they got us a whole bunch of these cards that we had an opportunity to eat. Can I tell you, I am forever grateful to those people. Why? Because they didn't have to, but they did. And the result was thanksgiving to God on their behalf because of what they gave. There is an aftermath to our giving that creates unity. Generosity produces unity. If you feel like you're disconnected, if you've been at our church for a long time and you feel disconnected, let me tell you, let me, let me give you a hint. Let me try something. Invest. Invest. Not just giving. Invest. Invest in small groups. Invest in ministry teams. In, invest in anything that we do in community outreach and missions. Invest. Invest financially. Invest. Put skin in the game and watch what God does. Invest back. Generosity produces unity, but gratitude produces generosity. What does he say at the very end? Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. You know what he's reminding the church of Corinth? Anything that you give, I promise you it's not more than what God gave. I promise you, it's not more than he gave. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Church, if you are thankful that God has transformed your eternal destiny from hell to heaven, from darkness to light, if you are excited about that, that fact, it should produce thanksgiving that results in generosity in your life. This is the aftermath of our giving. Other people are affected. The church is brought together. This is why it's so important that Paul deals with it. It's why Jesus dealt with it. Because it's important to who we are as a child of God. To give everything we have to him. This is how we do it. God, fill me so that I can overflow and fill others that are desperately empty. This is God's plan for us in our giving. If you would, bow your head and close your eyes. I pray in this room today, in the sound of my voice, I pray that you're in here and, and when you hear me say to be filled with the presence of God to overflowing, I pray that you understand what I mean by that. Jesus has made a way for every one of us to be in a personal relationship to him. Why is the church of Corinth so reminded and so excited and so motivated by Jesus, by God's inexpressible gift? Why does Paul have the audacity to say you should give? Why, do, why does myself, why do I have the audacity to say that you should give to the church, give to what God is doing, give to the community of Elmont? Why do I have the audacity to say that? 
Because I've seen what it's done in my life through my relationship with Him. I don't see giving the way the world sees giving anymore. God has supernaturally changed that for me. And I want you to know that He can do that for you. Jesus was sent to this earth, the Son of God, died on a cross for your sin and for mine. And you see, He did what we couldn't do. He lived sinless. There was never a moment, never a slip, never a time when Jesus failed. He lived a sinless life. And He died for the punishment of my sin. And He died today. He can die for the punishment of your sin. If you will respond in faith to the message of the gospel. He desires to have a relationship with you today. And if you're in here and you've, there's never been a time in your life where you have surrendered yourself to Jesus, where you've given yourself to Him, and you'll never understand giving, you'll never understand really anything we do as a church until you get that right. God desires for you to be in a relationship with Him more than anything else, more than your money, more than your time, more than your resources. He wants to be in a relationship with you. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, there's never been a time in your life where you've said, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. and I, I, I know that I've fallen short and I repent of those sins and I follow you in obedience. I follow you for the rest of my life. I give my life to you to be led by you. If that's never happened in your life, I want to give you that opportunity today. I want to give you that opportunity to make a decision that can change your life forever. I want you to pray this prayer after me. Now listen, there's nothing magical about this prayer. It's not some list of of magical words or some type of mantra or anything like that. This is just the confession of your heart to God's of surrender. If you've never made a decision for Christ, you don't have a relationship with Him, I want you to pray this prayer after me. It can be in the quietness of your own heart. Not out loud, in the quietness of your own heart. Pray this prayer after me. Pray, dear Jesus, God, I have blown it. God, I have failed. I've sinned. And God, I've fallen short of your standard of holiness. But God, I believe in the incredible news that while I was still in sin, you died for me. And so God, I receive your gift of forgiveness that was purchased through your son's death on the cross. Holy Spirit, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. And make me a new creature in you. Father, thank you for salvation. Thank you that I'm new. Now give me boldness to share what you've done in my heart with others. Pray.